2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There are many views given us today concerning what a Christian is. We are told in some circles that a Christian is a person who in the religious world has certain artistic tastes. He can only worship when the church architecture is correct, when the music reaches the highest standard, and when the clergy of the church have religious orders which are supposed to be traced back to the apostles themselves. This is a common fallacy concerning what a Christian is. God's worship is not limited to place. It's not limited to circumstances for where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty to worship Him. Then there are those who tell us that a Christian is in reality a spiritual glutton. All he is concerned with is to eat and be fed. I want to say, my friend, that Christian feeding is an order to Christian service. And the person who claims to be a Christian and is only interested in his own spiritual comfort has not caught the fire or the vision of true Christianity. Then there are those, and I would call them biblical hair splitters. They are interested in particular dogmas and doctrines. They are interested, many of them, in the doctrine of the last things and will spend hours poring over prophecies while poor lost sinners go down the road to a never-ending hell. They are not interested in the claims of the lost or in the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. They are more interested in establishing a particular school of biblical interpretation. Then there are others whom I call the great sleepers of the church. They are at ease in Zion. They say the world situation has nothing to do with us. As for that fellow Paisley, he shouldn't be in politics. He should be content just to carry on in his church. We are not concerned with society. We are waiting for the coming of Christ. Now these interpretations of what a Christian is receive a tremendous knock from old Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a rugged individual. This morning at nine o'clock I was preaching in the prison. And I was telling the prisoners there that Paul would be an ideal prison chaplain, for he knew all about prisons. You know, Paul didn't go to prison in one town. 
He always ended his ministry in the local jail. So he knew all about prisons. He wouldn't be very acceptable in many congregations. He was, of course, an extremist. He was red hot for God. Nay, he was white hot for God. And here's what Paul said. Verse 3 of Second Timothy 2. Here's what a Christian is. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul has a different idea of what the Christian is. Here he says a Christian is in the front line of a tremendous conflict. He is a child of battle. He is ever and always on the front line for Jesus Christ and for his truth. And the great ingredient to make him the good soldier that he is is the hard knocks that he's going to receive from the devil and the powers of darkness. Paul didn't look upon a Christian as a religious pop or a theological critic, or a spiritual glutton, or an ecclesiastical slumberer. Paul looked upon the Christian as a soldier of the cross. And look how he defines it. As a good soldier. Not just a common soldier. Not just a man who's doing his time. You know, I've met many soldiers and they have told me all they're waiting for is the discharge paper to get out. But that's not the Christian in the day of battle. He's a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I want to expound this morning what a good soldier of Jesus Christ is. And then I want to exhort this morning. First of all, a good soldier is characterized by loyalty. He's a loyal man. He's loyal to the core. He has taken the Queen's commission, and he's loyal to his sovereign. And he intends to defend her honor, and to defend her kingdom, and her dominions, and her territory. The good soldier of Jesus Christ is loyal to his master. His heart burns with intense loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. During these past 14 days, I have been in the beautiful land of Scotland. I visited last year the Highlands. This year we spent our time in the southern uplands. I don't know what part of Scotland is more delightful, either the highlands or the southern uplands. But I know to me, those southern uplands are very precious. They're the land of the Scottish Covenanters. And we spent many days going to the graves of the great heroes of the covenant. And we had a little short service at every grave. But the last grave that we visited was last Sunday evening. In the town of Wigton. We went into the old parish churchyard there to see the grave of Margaret Wilson. That young Scottish covenanting woman who at the age of 18 was murdered by drowning. 
because she refused to be disloyal to Jesus Christ. And as we stood there and read the inscription written in Old English, Here lies Margaret Wilson, daughter to Gilbert Wilson in Glenvernock, who was drowned 1685, age 18. Let earth and stone still witness bear. There lies a virgin martyr here, murdered for owning Christ supreme, head of his church, and no more crime but not the during presbytery, and her not owning prelacy. They her condemned by unjust law, of heaven or hell they stood no awe. Within the sea, tied to a stake, she suffered for Christ Jesus' sake. The actors of this cruel crime was Lag and Strachan, Winram and Graham. Neither young years nor yet old age could stop the fury of their rage. And as we stood there and read that inscription, and then we left the parish churchyard, and we went down the roadway a little way, and over into the marsh that used to be the place where the tide came in. And there is the actual spot where the stake was driven into the ground. And Margaret Wilson, 18 years of age, was bound by hands and feet to that stake. And a little beyond her, an old woman called Margaret McLaughlin. And as the tide came in, it covered the old lady first. And Margaret Wilson had to watch her colleague and fellow soldier die. And then they said to her, will you not recant? And she said, no, I'm loyal to Jesus Christ. And as the tide came in, the soldier took his spear and stuck it in the back of her neck and pushed her down into the briny water and said, take another sup of it. And soon the waves had passed over her head, and another martyred spirit had fled the tenement of clay to enter into the Father's house of many mansions. As I stood there, I said, God, make me faithful to Jesus Christ. You know, my friend, we're living in a day of disloyalty. There's many a man and many a pulpit in Belfast. And he's not loyal to Jesus Christ. There's many a church, and its loyalty is not first and foremost to the Master. But thank God, after 24 years of preaching in this city, I can say, to the best of the strength that God gave me, I have been loyal to Jesus Christ, loyal to the Master He's the great king and head of the church, and we own no other. We're not looking to Rome this morning. We're not looking to Canterbury this morning. We're not looking to the World Council of Churches, the head of the one church of Christ is in heaven. He's a mighty king and head of the church, and we own allegiance to no other ecclesiastical usurper. Our allegiance is to Jesus Christ, the great King and Head of the Church. 
We believe in His deity in this church. That He's God, co-equal, and co-eternal with the Father and the Holy Ghost. We believe that He was born supernaturally of the Virgin Mary. We believe in the miracles which the Bible records that He wrought. We believe that He died once and for all to put away the sins of His people. We believe that He does not lie in Joseph's tomb, but He's alive evermore. He arose bodily from the grave. We believe He sits at God's right hand. Hallelujah. And praise His name, He's coming personally and gloriously and visibly and victoriously for His people. Soon shall the trump of God summons us homeward and heavenward and Godward, and we shall be with Him for all eternity. Loyalty to Jesus Christ. And when the supers and the weatherhead Blaspheme my Savior will stand up in this church for Jesus Christ. And for when the ecumenists tell us that his prayer for unity is not answered, and that Jesus needs the machinery of the World Council of Churches to bring about unity in his church, we shall say every prayer that Jesus offered has been answered. And the church is one. And every person born again of the Spirit of God and washed in the blood of the Lamb is in the church of Christ, the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. A soldier is characterized by love. A soldier is characterized, secondly, by fidelity. He's faithful. To the commands of the Savior. Let me tell you something. If ye love me, keep my commands. Doesn't say if you love me, die at the stake for me. Doesn't say if you love me, do a great work for me. It says if you love me, keep my commandments. The test of love is the test of obedience. Jesus wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be obedient to His will. And Christ has issued certain commands to His people. His people are not to be entangled with the world. We have not to be caught up in worldliness. We are to use the world, but not abuse it. For the fashion of the world passeth away. My joys will not be worldly joys. My company will not be worldly company. My associations will not be worldly associations. I am the soldier of Christ. I must be faithful to Him. And if I obey the commands of Christ, I'll be out of step with the world. I'll not be popular with the world. I'll be despised like Jesus, and rejected by the world. But a good soldier, thank God, is characterized by victory. A soldier that never wins a battle is no good. A preacher that never wins a soul, he should be made redundant and put on the unemployment exchange. 
Let me tell you this, friend, a soldier is a person who gets the victory. And as I look back over 24 years of battling for the Lord this morning, very early this morning I was lifting my heart up to heaven and say, saying, Thank you, Lord, for all the victories. It has been victory all along the way. Not because we were anything. But you see, if you think you are something, God can do nothing with you. But when you know you're an absolute no good, you're just a useless bit of clay, and you're going to be an abysmal failure of God doesn't get the hold of you, then God can do something with you. You know, there is a great principle in Christian service. It's this, no flesh shall glory in his presence. You can write that across this great church. This church has been built by the power of God. And I think of my commencement of my ministry 24 years ago to a handful of people down the roadway, untrumpeted, unheralded, and unknown. When I think that half that congregation faded away after six months, one by one their seats were emptied, one by one they went away. I remember one day, of course, I was a young, inexperienced preacher. I wouldn't dare do the things now that I did then. I remember saying, we'll all stand to our feet, and if anybody else wants to go, we'll sing the doxology while they're going. That was a terrible thing to do, wasn't it? But the people that called me, and some of them are here today, some of our old faithful foundation members, You know, it was a terrible thing to call Paisley to the church. That was a terrible thing. They took a terrible risk. But God has given us the victory. And our hearts are filled. That's why we sung that psalm. All that is within me, bless and praise his holy name. Oh, we have had our dark valleys. We have had our disappointments. We have had days when we thought... The best thing we could do was quit. But thank God, God never calls us to quit. He calls us to stick. That's what God calls us to do. And through good report and ill report. And my, we get the ill report. Bob Jones, Dr. Jones sent me a letter this week. He says, read this one. An American commentator fellow called Buckley. And he said when Paisley preaches, he gets the congregation to shout, through his sermons, burn the Fenians out. Burn the Fenians out. That's just about as good a lie as the old death devil ever thought of, isn't it? You talk about ill reports. I've read things in the paper about myself I never heard of before. But let me tell you, friend, that God gives us the victory. Hasn't he given us the victory in this house? Since the doors of this house were opened, We know that almost a thousand souls have come to Christ. My, that rejoices our hearts more than anything. And God has blessed us, and he has given us the right to speak the message in the highest courts of this land. Of course, nobody believed in us according to the press, and we had no following. Like Dr. Jones sent me another copy of the paper and it said everybody that attended Paisley's church came in wheelchairs. <laughs> they were just the halt, the maimed, and the blind. 
Well, that's the people Jesus received. Victory. God gives us victory. The true soldier will be characterized by bravery. Oh, he'll be brave. No, there's none of us brave. I know before a protest I'm shaking in my shoes. Nobody believes that, but I know it all right. But some way when you get into the battle and get your sword out, you lose that, don't you? And the Lord helps you to fight the battle. No one knows how timid we all are. There's none of us made to be heroes. We all want to turn our back and run away and choose the easy road, don't we? But thank God, God puts into the good soldier the spirit of bravery. And he'll do things that he never knew that he could do. And he'll accomplish things he never knew he could accomplish. And he'll say it is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. Bravery. And the last characteristic I want to mention this morning is humility. The good soldier is filled with humility. And when he's won the battle and right at the enemy, and he's celebrating the victory, the first thing he does is fall upon his knees. And he says, Lord, thank you for helping me to win this battle. These are the characteristics of a good soldier. Loyalty, fidelity, victory, bravery, and humility. God wants you to be a good soldier. Let me exhort you, friend. Let me tell you, you should be a good good soldier, and so should I, because of the theme that has preceded us. Oh, we're members of a great army. The regiments of Britain can glory in the battles they have fought and the glory fields in which they have conquered. But look at the history of the army of Christ. Read the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We are part of the army of the prophets and the apostles and the confessors and the martyrs and the puritans and the covenanters. We are in the sea of army. Hallelujah. My, the men that fought in this army before were the champions of the faith, the divots of the armies of God. You know, you should thank God that you're called upon to live today. I'd like to have lived in the days of the Covenanters. I'd like to have stood with Richard Cameron as he drew his sword in Ayers Moss. And as I stood in the middle of that great bog land where he fell... I'd like to have been there. But God didn't ordain that you and I should be there. God ordained us to fight the same battle in the 20th century against the same enemies. And it's the old Antichrist that we're fighting. The same old harlot bride of the Antichrist. Their tawdry rags of ecclesiastical perjury and dominion. We're in the same battle. We should be good soldiers because of the theme that has preceded us. We should be good soldiers because of the victory that lies before us. What a day when God brings the soldiers of the cross in. It's going to be a day when all the martyrs 
are going to step into the kingdom of God. My, there'll be a great shout in heaven when the martyrs go in, won't there? And we see that great host of those that died for Christ. What a host! My, at their head will step out old evil. He believed in the blood theology. He died at the hand of Cain because he refused to offer a sacrifice that God did not accept and because he chose the blood of the Lamb. At their head will shall, shall come evil. And then the whole Old Testament martyrs and then at the head of the New Testament martyrs shall come Stephen! The man that refused to bow to the enemy and the acts of the apostles. And after them shall come the apostles. I see Paul, old rugged Paul, the jailbird, the apostle, once a persecutor, and some of the very people that he murdered will be walking beside him. Martyrs for Christ. What a day that'll be. My, there'll be a shout go up in heaven until the vaults of high heaven rings with the shout of the saints as the martyrs go in. I'd like to gain a place in that great regiment. God may not permit us to join the first rank and be among the first three of King David's greater son's heroes. But friend, there's another army comes. It's the army of the faithful. And among them there's the unknowns. And the people whose name was never written in the page of Christian biography. But God wrote their biography in the pages of the volumes of the redeemed. And they'll come. Mothers and fathers who fought a lonely battle but prayed their daughter and their son on to the mission field or into the Christian ministry. Men and women of God who encourage young people to be at their best for Jesus Christ. Oh, they'll get the reward. The Lord knows all about it. My, what a day when the faithful go marching in. What a day when we see the great regiment of the preacher, the Spurgeons and the Chalmers and the Moody's, all go in to receive the reward. Shouldn't that encourage you to be a good soldier? The fame that has preceded us. The victory that lies before us. But here's the best thing of all. Shouldn't I be a great soldier because of the captain who leads us? My, we have a captain who never lost a battle. King Jesus is his name. Out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. His vesture is dipped in blood. His name is the Word of God. He's the Lord God Almighty. And praise God, he'll reign until every enemy licks the dust of his feet. I have my eye on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith. May God make us good soldiers because of the fame that precedes us, the victory that awaits us, and the captain who leads us for Jesus' sake.